Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Venture Property Podcast. My name is Ryan Rivers, and I am your host for today. And thank you very much for listening. Today, we are sponsored by Land Insight, which I think is the ultimate tool to find all the deals that you need. You can use it to find land, you can find comparables, you can do pretty much everything you want in it. It's a cracking piece of software. If you are new to the show, please do hit subscribe. And if you're not, please do give us a review. I'm really on this push at the minute to try and get as many reviews as physically possible. Today, I've got a really cool guest. Uh, I was actually on the panel with this guy, got on really, really well with him and was amazed by some of his answers as well. So I'm putting together this whole development series and he was one of the guys that I definitely wanted on to fill the, the planning consultant role. I'm not going to say too much more about him, but that guy is Grant Leggett. Grant, how are you doing today? Very well, thank you, Ryan, and very, very flattered by your introduction. Well, I always think it's nice if you butter up the guests. Um, <laughs> I only have people on most of the time who I like anyway, so um, it's always good to have good conversations. So why don't you give the people who don't know you um, a bit of introduction and background about, about you? Yeah, sure thing. Thanks again, Ryan. So I am the director and the head of Boyer Planning's London office, so Boyer is a planning consultancy based in the south of England and Wales. We've got about 75 people across the company, 16 here in my office in London, so we're the biggest team in the company. I was here the day that we opened this office, which was about eight years ago, me and one other person. So we've grown it up to about 16 people, and we've done that with a lot of blood, sweat and tears, and I'm absolutely passionate about this little business and the respect of people that we've got and, and the work that we do. So, yeah, that's, that's a bit of a pot of history about me. You can probably tell I'm not from this country, by the way. I'll leave it to the end to uh, reveal which antipathy and country I'm from. But let's just say I'm pretty happy about the cricket result in the first semi-final. <laughs> I think that's going to that's gonna give it away massively, isn't it? I think it will. <laughs> just picking up on that then, so you've really... You've, this business has grown massively. What sort of challenges have you experienced over those eight years? Oh, heavens. Well, probably one of the biggest ones has been just resourcing because it's a people industry. I say this all the time and you can be sure as eggs, I will say it again today at some point. You've got to get the right people in and we spend an awful lot of time making sure the people that we get are the right ones. And I've got a massively successful record of retaining staff. You know, we've grown from two to 16. I and mean, that's not meteoric growth, but it's been very steady. And one of the secrets to that is getting the right people in and making them want to stay making them happy in their job because I firmly believe that a happy consultant is going to give a better service. So we work very hard on that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's probably one of the main things. The second main thing, of course, is more commercial. It's getting your name out there and competing in a very busy industry, especially in London. Every planning consultancy in the country has their headquarters down here. And when it was me and one other person, we had to go out and pound the pavements and try and win business from those bigger competitors and now we've put ourselves up in the same bracket as them, which is really satisfying. You know, they bought into us, those clients bought into us, helped us grow and we repay that by doing good work for them. Incredible. And it seems I know having met you and having chatted to you, you are very much a people person and you can see why people do like you. And I could definitely feel that if I worked in a team with you, it would it would be great. So what are the, what are some of the things that you do to make sure that that environment is great for the staff? Um, I firmly feel that one of the main things people want is to know that you know they're cared about and you care about their careers. So we put a lot of investment in, into the people and making sure that they are progressing from whatever level they've started at to, to the next level and the level beyond. 
We're always looking at how people can be you know, promoted to another level, how they can get a broader breadth of experience. We, we do something called support and challenge, which is nothing novel. We, we push people quite hard, but we make sure that they always feel like they are supported so they can spread their wings into things, learn on the job as much as possible. We're very confident in sending you know, relatively junior people out to meet clients directly, and it helps them to grow that, that people that people's side of the business because, again, it's so much about relationships. And we just like it to be a nice place to be. You know, we spend an awful lot of time in this office and we have to spend, I guess we'd rather be with our families a lot of the time, but it's a, just a good bunch of folk. Everyone gets on well and we, we try really hard to make sure it's always positive here. Mm, I think that's incredible. And then, you know, we're in an industry property, issues do come up. And if you are in an office where you feel supported, then when something does come up and everybody gets on and it's a really, really good vibe, you, you're going to tackle those issues, aren't you, pretty much straight away because you know who's going to be able to help you and how they're going to be when you go to them with a problem. Exactly. It fosters a real sense of teamwork. You know, everyone wants to support each other. It's not dog eat dog, every man for himself. And you know that you can rely on the person next to you. Uh, and you know, it's just a happy place to be. I want to come to a workplace that I'm happy in. You know, that's probably my number one point about it. I want to spend the however many hours a day it is on here in a nice, good place. And I work very hard to make sure that happens. Yeah, I think it's... I think it's great. So then in, in your opinion, what do you think makes a good planning consultant? Now, everybody's trying to build these teams of having a good planning consultant, having a good architect, et cetera, et cetera. It'd be really interesting yeah. to, to hear from, from you what you think makes a good planning consultant. Yeah, heavens. Okay, well, that's, it's a broad one. I mean, first of all, you can't escape the fact that our industry is a knowledge industry. You have to know your stuff, basically, and that includes policy, legislation, local guidance, the case law, there's appeal decisions. There's always stuff changing. You've got to keep on top of that. You've also got to have really good local knowledge. I think, you know, if we're, if we're trying to persuade someone to work with us, we will always trade on the fact that we know the local patch they're working in. We know what the sensitivities are in a local area. We know what their needs are. We know what the planning offices are like. We know the politics. So knowledge is huge. The second thing I think is you, you want your consultant to be actually properly engaged in what you're doing. Don't just be some mailbox who's sitting there processing your work. You, you need to bring them into what you're doing commercially so they can join in. We can join in your passion for what you are doing and really feel like we are your most one of your most trusted consultants. Obviously, you know, we don't want our people to be yes-men. We want our people to be able to challenge our clients, and we do ask that we are challenging our clients and ask that our clients respect us uh, or enable us to do that and recognise always, again, that importance of it being a people industry. You want to be a good person. People will work with people that they like, and that, that counts not just between clients and consultants, but it counts with local authorities, it counts with planning inspectors. Everyone you meet, you want to be able to make friends with. I don't think it's an industry where you need to be a bully or where you should be a bully. It's about building positive relationships. Mm, I completely agree. I love, I love working with my planning consultant. Really, really great guy, and has pretty much all of those those things that you you've mentioned. How and and the developers can be a real ball ache basically to work with I don't know any other way to to put it so how do you think a developer can forge the best relationship with their planning consultant 
Um, I think I mentioned trust. I mean, you need to trust your planning consultant. Your planning consultant has to be one of your closest consultants, probably along with your architect. They're probably the two most important people in your development strategy. And we need to know all the facts, basically. We need to know what your commercial imperatives are so that if we're advising you, we know what you're trying to do commercially. It's no good us advising you what might be the most convenient permission to get if it doesn't suit your commercial needs. So it's really important that you trust us with that. And obviously, um, don't hide any information from us. I can think of some, you know, I can look back and laugh at them now, but hilarious examples where clients have actually not told us all the facts and we've found ourselves in very embarrassing situations where things have come to light. And these are sort of lightning strike moments and a bit extreme, but no one wants to be in that situation where they haven't been told all the facts and triggers. We need to be brought in close and we need to foster that. You know, we need to, it's our job to make sure the clients will, will trust us with that information. Mm. Yeah, I I love it, and I I really like the 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 architect and the planning consultant. They are the two two real the ones you must have the most trust in and and work together. And um, I've had some really really fun experiences working with with both of those guys. What's um, what's the worst advice that you hear from from other planning consultants? Yeah, yeah, um, I've seen some shockers. Um, I mean, obviously, again, harking back to the fact that it's a knowledge industry, just getting stuff wrong, missing a listed building or something, missing a site designation, just not doing your job properly. That's just not diligent enough. I think some of the worst advice you see commonly, though, is just simply planning consultants telling a developer to buy, 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 buy this bit of land. Yep, it's all going to be fine. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's get the job in. We don't do that. We give advice that's very realistic. Uh, we don't want to lead someone down a garden path where they invest time in their lives and buying someone where they're not going to get the outcomes they need from it. Um, some other bad advice we see is people saying we can bully our way through this, let's go straight to appeal, let's go for cost. That, that should always be a last resort. I feel like relationship building with local authorities is always an important starting point. There will always be a time where you find yourself having to go to appeal, but you should always try do the relationship side of things first. But in terms of real specific planning thing consultants get wrong all the time is not understanding the importance of getting the employment side of jobs of sites right. So many sites that come onto the market have got an employment background. They might be an MOT garage or they might be an industrial site. Some of the arguments I've seen planning consultants try to run with in redeveloping those sites for usually residential uses without proper regard to the employment side have just been disastrous. And I think something, it's something I'm quite passionate about. I, I feel like I've, we here generally have a very good understanding of employment policy and the need to get that right. But again, I see it so many times. Yeah, developers bought a piece of land because they've been told it's an old MIT garage. We can, just, we can just scorch the earth and start from scratch without recognising the need to pay regard to that through your development proposal. Hmm. One thing that really sort of endears me to you um, is that is the, the people element of it and that don't take into account everything you know like it's a full holistic view of you it's the it's the end goal as well it's not just because as a developer you know you're going to be left holding the baby and the last thing you want is for this to become consultant led and that go the wrong way and I really like yeah. that and I think it's a great tip for everybody listening that and you've mentioned it is you've got to understand the the developer's role and what they want from this 
and then maximize the site for that. And, Absolutely. Not, and, and touching on it there, the employment, you know, I think sometimes you look at a site and the first thought for everybody is residential, residential, but actually it's not always the best way to maximize that site and to take into that site into consideration and to have the trust in you guys to do that. I think, I think that's incredible. Have you got any examples of, of sites that you've, that you've worked on where, you know, they've been a little bit different? Uh, in terms of their employment element specifically or just generally? Just let's do both. I'm I'm literally just sat here sucking all of this in right now. <laughs> um, well, I think one that's got an employment site to it is, is it was actually a very, very large gas works site um, in, in, in London, which we advised a sort of major house builder on. And they came to us and they said, look, this site just doesn't work, but it's got all the wrong designations for us. And I took my time and thought about it quite a bit and thought, you know what, it doesn't look good from where we're sitting right now, but if you've got some stamina in a couple of years, obviously, which they do, um, then we can make this work. How about you buy into my strategy, support the stamina we've got for this, and, and we can we can find a way through it. And that site is currently under construction for 750 homes. Um, it also unlocked an adjoining site, which is another 500 homes. So that's a case where a proper understanding of employment um, showed that we can actually turn a site that looked like a dead duck into a major, major regeneration site. And that's what I'm very, very proud of. And I'm very proud of that because, again, the developer came to us and said, look, you know, we're not really that bothered about this. We're just showing it to you just on the off chance. And I was like, no, guys, this is an absolute belter yeah. if you're prepared to listen to what I'm saying and, and do this right. And they did. And like I say, they've you know, got 1,250 homes coming out of the ground. Um, I've seen some some shockers as well. Um, some uh, obviously where sites have fallen through the process badly, and we've then picked them up to try and do a rescue job. But I've been involved in some where developers just haven't listened to their advice. Mm. Um, they've tried to see their way through. I can think of one in particular where they thought they were just going to steam into the local authority and bang the table and talk about appeals from day one which didn't, doesn't sit comfortably with me. I don't like being the guy in the room for that kind of kind of discussion, but nonetheless, I did as I always did. It got refused because the local authority just weren't interested in dealing with this particular developer as much as we tried to put a happy face on things. It went to appeal. I advised the client to try and tweak their development a bit because I didn't think it was going to get permission, but they were all bullish, 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 and the appeal was lost for exactly the reasons that we said it would be. And then after two years of our lives, it was back to literally square one. Um, so, you know, I've, I've seen good and bad. I've been involved in good and bad. I've made mistakes, you know. We've, we've got things wrong before, but we've learned from them. Yeah. And I think, you know, I've got 17 years experience in London, um, and I think we've, we've seen plenty of good and bad from which, again, you, you try and learn from and make the best of for the next one. Hmm. What's the biggest lesson then do you think you've learned over the last... X amount of years. Good heavens. I know, I did tell you I was going to drop a few questions in there if you mentioned something. Um, Be good to people. That might sound a bit cliche. Be good to people. It's a small industry and you never want to burn any bridges. What's another big one? Do your homework. You've got to know your stuff. You know, when someone throws something at you, you've got to make sure you are diligent on every single side. Even if someone comes and says, look, I've got this little thing, would you give it a five-minute look? We always say to people, there's no such thing as a five-minute look in this game. Yeah. Because a five-minute look means that we will probably miss something. We need to take a bit more time. Make sure you do your homework and know your background. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's work hard, know your stuff, and be good to people, I suppose. Um, I can think of some 
specifics. Uh, um, for example, gosh, I don't want to bore you, Ryan, or your listening, but I can think of, of um, particular examples where we have learned an awful lot about listed buildings, for example, which is an area where a lot of people, developers, planners alike, just don't really understand. And I think when you've had an experience where something's gone away you didn't expect, you've got to be able to say, yeah, okay, I learned from that. It didn't go the way we planned, but I've, I've learned from it. And now I feel like when listed buildings come up, for example, I feel like I'm an authority on it because I've been through the ringer on one. Yeah, and you've done all of the all of the bits and bobs. I think it no, I think definitely it's not boring at all. You know, we development is it's nitty gritty. You've got to get into the detail with it. If you don't, then that's where mistakes are definitely made. And the more detail that you can get, the better. And then that's where that trust comes in with with you guys. You know, you are the authority on this and you I think you should always pay a planning consultant anyway because i think they know like you say the knowledge that they have is so so vast and also just picking up on the biggest lesson you know being good to people if they if you pay a planning consultant they do this day in day out if they're good to people it just makes everything so much easier they're in the planning office all the time you're not and if you are and you're causing issues then you're gonna have headaches yeah, you're quite right. You know, it's the ones that look after us where we feel there's a positive, rewarding relationship. People that respect the fact that our knowledge is of value. They are the guys, frankly, that I'm going to be busting a gut for and I'm, they're going to be the ones that I'm thinking of when an opportunity comes up because opportunities fall into our laps sometimes. We find something happened in a certain area and you always think of that client and think, you know what, I really ought to tell Ryan about this one because he's going to shoot us sort of thing somewhere else. Yeah, and forwards a really strong group of clients that we have that sort of I, I don't like the word holistic, but yeah, it's that sort of organic holistic relationship with where we're kind of like we feel like we're brothers with them. We feel like we are part of their business, and we'll go the extra mile for them. Mm, I agree. I also do not like the word holistic. It just it's like ingrained in my brain from the old physio days. I'm stuck with that <laughs> holistic word. It's like oh. I think we need yeah. to find a better word for it. Um, one of my things we're just picking up from what we was chatting about before, and you were chatting about landowners, what is sort of the biggest frustration that you you have and you have seen developers have with landowners? Well, topical, because right now in London, which is where I do the majority of my work, at least there are some quite unrealistic unrealistic expectations about the value of land. Um, and we're finding quite a lot of deals are getting close to being done, and then we're finding that the vendor pulls the site because they're holding out for a few more quid, um, which I don't really think is commercially expedient. And that means sometimes quite a bit of work can go down the old gurgler, as it were. Um, but this is a real issue in London. I think there's such desperate need to get on with things here in London. The housing need is absolutely critical. Um, but landowners are, in many cases, holding that up by holding out for more value later on. Um, yes, that's probably the biggest thing at the moment. I've had a few frustrations in the last few weeks, Ryan, so you catch me at a time when a couple of potentially really big and interesting sites have fallen away for that exact reason. It's, it's, it is balmy, isn't it? And no matter what you try and say to that landowner, they don't get it. It's really, really frustrating. You can sit there and show all of your workings and everything, and they just yeah. don't seem to listen. Yeah, 
No, they don't. And I, it's just another little point, if you don't mind me adding on to that, Ryan. One of these sites in particular, you can imagine the site, it's come with a nice big fancy brochure produced by an agency. That agency has a group of in-house planning consultants. They've written the most positive, shiny, glowing planning assessment of this site imaginable, yeah. which says you can get extraordinarily tall buildings and you can extinguish all the commercial uses on it and it's happy days and the value is therefore X. We have manifestly taken apart that planning assessment done by that uh, other planning consultant and said, look, this is just plainly unrealistic, sir. You're never going to get this value um, because it's never going to work in the real planning world. So, yeah, that's an example of more bad planning advice, I suppose. We quite often see uh, bad planning advice being given in these marketing brochures. And I, I, I urge all of our developer clients to, whenever they see a planning assessment that's been logged in with part of a marketing package, to look at it very, very judiciously. We, we spend quite a bit of time doing that, making sure that it's actually realistic before anyone gets stars in their eyes about what something's worth. Mm. That's the that's the key as well, isn't it? It's that realistic. What realistically can you get on that site? You know that the the vendor now is they're dreaming of this huge huge development, and it's not actually gonna it's not actually gonna happen. I've been I was chatting to a landowner very recently, and they was chatting about sort of seven eight stories. I'm based in Lincoln. There's nothing that height you know we've got a cathedral that you'd block the view on you've got to be very careful in certain yeah, places yeah, yeah, where yeah. to put that but he'd been sold the dream um and you mentioned it earlier you know people buy 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 just to get the job and that's not right i really like your approach where it's you know we're going to give you the information we want you to succeed instead of just absolutely we want we sorry to cut across your run but absolutely no, no. we want our clients to succeed and we want to be with them when they succeed because if we're standing there next to them when they succeed they're going to come to us for the next one and the best way putting it through frankly of building my business is to get repeat business out of clients by helping them be successful i do not want to be the guy standing next to them when they get something refused and they then turn to me to say what happened to your advice there um, that is just not, that's not a part of my life I want to go to. I want to give a good service and I want to win repeat business by earning the trust of my clients. Mm. And, and you are exactly right there. If you've got a good, if you've got a good relationship initially, say it's the first project that they've ever done with you. They've come to you, they've shown you this, this plot of land and you've gone, yeah, okay, we can do this, this, this and this. They've developed that trust. They see that you've got the knowledge and then you go through the planning process. And then, wow, they get a good result through the planning process. The site is maximized. They build it out. They do very well from it. That's a positive experience for them. And you oh, guys, yeah. and then they, they've got more money. They're going to do it again and again and again and again. It's, it's just a great, it's a great industry to be in. Oh, look, I, I, I'm one of those slightly odd people. I really love my job. I love, I love so many aspects of it. I love you know, meeting people and working with people. And I find the development industry is full of absolutely fascinating people. I'm so lucky. You know, I get to work with fascinating architects and technical folks and developers themselves that come from a wide range of places. So I love that part of my job. I love being successful. I love getting the wins across the line. I love seeing my team succeed and I love seeing them grow. So I'm, I'm very, very fortunate in that respect. But having you know, strong clients is absolutely fundamental to that and they are the centre of the business. Um, so the people that actually get doing the work. And we work very hard to make sure we give them that good service because otherwise it's just a downward spiral, isn't it? Yeah, and I think any 
want to be planning consultant, any developer listening to this right now, there's so much gold coming from from you saying lots of different things that they can listen to and use when they are looking for a planning consultant or if they want to become a planning consultant. Um, yeah. One question that I've, I haven't sent you, and I'm going to ask you it now, is how do you think the business will be disrupted? This business? Yeah. Just to really um, put you on the spot. I know it's a really cruel yeah, question. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I every year I do a business plan and I identify, I do a SWOT analysis like most people in good businesses do. What are the threats to my business? The threats to my business are macroeconomic. It's impossible to get through any conversation in property these days without Brexit coming up and what macroeconomic conditions that might bring up. Mm. I try not to dwell too much on that. So that could upset our business. Um, probably the, the biggest, next biggest threat is around losing the very good quality people that I've, that I've got here. That is my biggest fear. I, I know that the people in my team are being approached by recruitment consultants almost daily trying to entice them away from here. And if I lose those people, then I lose the backbone of what I've, what, what I've built, which is again why I have spent so much time investing in them and why my team trust me to have their backs in the future. Those are the two main things. Um, yes, around, is the money going to keep coming in because the conditions are right? And am I going to have the people to do the work? No, I think I, I love that. I love that you. I love that you're so people focused. I think one of the things though, that I've realised over the last couple of years is people are everything in business. And when you realise that, that that sort of changes the game um, for me, really. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I want to come back. I think, sorry to cut across you again, Ron, but there are plenty of consultants out there who, who've got all the knowledge. They're brilliant when it comes to regurgitating policy and telling you what the latest case model is, but they can't build relationships, and I don't think they are going to be the most successful ones. You need people who are engaged, who are positive, who are problem solvers as well. Mm. It's not rocket science to fill out a planning application form or write a planning statement. The, the strength of our advice comes in our knowledge and ability to solve problems. Mm. I think that's... I think that's a really key point that the the strength comes from that problem solving, the ability to solve problems, build relationships, and have the knowledge. That's what that's what sets you apart from from the others. And uh, I think that's a uh, a pretty cool um, point for me to then bring it to a whole different question away from from property. Um, is how do you how do you chill out? How do you relax? What's your downtime look like? <laughs> Downtime for me with two young children is a rare commodity. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, I try to, I spend a lot of time with my family. You know, I, I work quite hard, but I, uh, another thing I do in my office to make it slightly odd, I, I'm a very early bird. I get to work at about 6 30 in the morning so I can leave at 5 in the evening with my children before they go to bed. And weekends are often taken up with them as well. But when I get some genuine time for myself, um, I like to run. Uh, I like to play tennis if I can find someone who will tolerate my rubbish tennis ability. Uh, and if I've got some time, I like to just sit and read, just just get myself right out of it and take myself into another world. I'm also partial to a bit of uh, a bit of video games, Ryan. If you want to really drill into what gets me what gets me ticking when I've got some proper downtime, oh yeah, and I could talk to you. I could talk you to boredom about uh, about video games. Uh, again, having enough time to put into them. 
is a rare thing for me. But I, I like to disappear into a place like that where you are completely detached from things. I think this is this is my favourite question to ask people. I think I'm on the third new podcast ever actually asking this question, and it's amazing yeah. the responses that you get. Uh, I think that time I always say that time is where your brain relaxes and you need yeah. that time. So, which video? Yeah, absolutely. Do you play that? Oh, good grief, Ryan! Are you really going to go for me on that one? Currently, Ryan, I've, I've just I've just recently completed the outstanding Red Dead Redemption Two. Yeah, uh, which is a wild western themed game, and I know it all sounds a bit cheesy, doesn't it? But it's absolutely brilliant. I played the original game about eight years ago, and absolutely fell in love with it. And then when the the, the sequel came out late last year, I went out and bought a PS4 specifically so I could play it. And I've trudged through it over the last six months. That's how long it's taken. That's how little time I get to play it. But the game is stunning. It's absolutely amazing. And, and whenever I can, I disappear into that world and become a cowboy for a little while. So, yeah, you really know the core of me, don't you, Ryan? Yes, yes, yes. I love it. Well, I bought a Nintendo Switch just to play the new Zelda, so I'm with you there. There you go. There you go. And, uh, yeah, I'm... I just delve into that, and you just focus on that, and you do that, and it's just... It is so much fun. Um, Yeah. So, is there anything you think I should have asked you, but I haven't? Oh, good heavens. What should you have asked me? No, I, I didn't. You know, when you emailed me and I sent you over a few questions, I did leave yeah. you really horrible ones out, didn't I? Uh, no, you, no, those are the most fun ones. Those are the ones where we really get to the number thing. I like those. Those are the best ones. But make sure you always keep those up your sleeve in future, Ryan. They'll make your podcast that much more fascinating. Indeed. But no, look, I hope I've, I hope I've given you an honest account of who I am and what we're about and what I think this industry is about. Um, uh, and why I love my job so much and why I think, you know, why I hope to, why I've been reasonably successful at it. I don't profess to being the best at it um, or to knowing absolutely everything. Any planning consultant that says they know it all, they're lying. Yeah. But I, I'm always looking to learn and grow and, and do things better. And I try to translate everything I learn and know into the people here. I, I'm, I'm very fond of telling them that by the time my colleagues are my age and they've got as many years under their belt as I have, they will be a hell of a lot better at this job than I am because I'm always feeding to them the experience of what I've learned and teaching them the traps that I fell into. And I, I absolutely believe that's true. When all of these folk here who are mostly all, oh, they're all younger than me actually, when they're into their, I'm going to say mid-40s, Ryan, if you don't mind, they're all going to be better at this than I am. I assure you of that. Oh, man. I think you are one of the most humble and personable people I have ever met and had the pleasure to spend any time with at all. Extremely kind of you, Ryan. It's true. I am very much to the point, a spade is a spade with me. And um, yeah, I think you are very, very humble. If people want to get in touch with you, if they want to follow up or do anything, what's the best place for them to uh, to get in touch with you? Uh, well, very simply, they can go to our website, boyerplanning.co.uk, or just stick us into Google. Um, you'll find us there. Um, uh, yeah, you can track me down that way very easily. One click and you should be able to find me. Fantastic. I'll make sure that there's a link to the to that website as well in the show notes. So if anybody does want to get in touch with you, they can literally just click that straight from here. I'd just like to say a massive thank you for, for coming on the show and sharing some of your amazing knowledge. Ryan, absolute pleasure and thank you for the opportunity.